0: How's it going? Welcome to the DadWise Podcast. My name is Isaac Kolabekio, the host of the DadWise Podcast, editor of the blog, dadwise.co, and the Instagram and YouTube pages. Uh, if you want to follow along on what we're doing, go check out um, Instagram. That's kind of where I stay most active. Uh, leave comments, send me questions. I'd love to hear from Uh, dads about what you guys think about this podcast and the content we're putting out. Uh, And if you really want to help out, you can leave a rating on Spotify or on Apple or whatever you're listening on. If you can leave a comment or a rating, that would help out a bunch as we build this platform out. I'd love for more dads to hear this stuff. Uh, I think it's really good. I think it's helpful. So uh, yeah, I'd love if you could help me out in that way. I would be very grateful. Uh, two more plugs. I've got 12 rules of dad life book. That's out. You can get a link to that. Also dad, uh, Facebook group. I'm going to keep it open until we have like 20 to 50 people in it. I'll close it when I close it, but I'd love for more dads to be involved in that. Um, chatting with each other, helping each other out, sharing, uh, tips and tricks and wisdom. Um, so there's links to that Facebook group. It's a private group. So send me a message and ask me to let you in. And I probably will because I'm a a nice guy like that. Um, But today we talked about Habits of the Household with Justin Early. Great guy, awesome conversation. We talked about how to shape our lives in a way that um, promotes growth. We talked about friendship, how dads can make friends, and how that helps us as fathers be better. Um, It was an awesome conversation, and I want you guys to listen to it. So I'm going to be done talking now, and I hope you enjoy. All right, here we are Dadwise Podcast. I'm here with Justin Early, is that how you say your last name, Early? You got it,
1: like early in the morning.
0: Early in the morning, I like it. Uh, Justin's got a new book coming out, uh, Made for People. I originally had him on to to talk about this one, the Habits of the Household I have here with me. Um, But I think we'll just cover everything. Uh, So Justin, can you just give us a little intro on who you are, how many kids you have, where you're at in the world, Uh, just a little context, yeah. Uh,
1: I'm a husband to Lauren. My wife, we've been married since shortly after college because we met at UVA where we went to college together. Okay. We um are parents to four boys, Wit, Nice, Ash, Colt, and Shep. Um and they are between 4 and 11 right now. So, nice. the, the the dad part of my life is definitely <laughs> peaking. Um I'm yeah. a business lawyer by day. That's okay. what I do with my uh normal hours i'd like help people start companies sell companies structure contracts um i don't go in the courtroom i'm a negotiator (laughs) and on the side though it's one of my favorite things that i do is i as i write books um yeah that started with the the common rule which is a book on habits and spiritual formation written in the wake of uh, an anxiety crisis where i totally fell apart and realized that my habits were forming me way more than i thought yeah. And then the, the uh, Habits of the Household was my second book, which was me applying all that wisdom of habit and spiritual formation to parenting because I right. was like, oh, I should probably apply this stuff to my children. <laughs> <laughs> and then the uh, latest book is made for people on um, the arts and habits of friendship. Right. You added arts into this one. I like that. Well, you can't, you know, I believe in the the power and spirituality of habit, but yeah. habit is a thing like it's a semi-conscious to unconscious routine that right. can actually sink down into your basal ganglia which is like important for because like the neuroscience is actually happening here and it's the things that we right. do without thinking about them yeah. i think trying to boil down friendship to a habit would be totally dishonest because <laughs> friendship is at least half if not more art the relationships are all different, right there are habits of friendship that can help push you into it um, yeah. But I thought it would be disingenuous. To, you know, I told my publishers, I was like, I'm not going to do a habit book because I want to do a book on friendship. They're like, well, can you yeah. work the angle in? I was like, oh, yeah. I, can work the angle in. I can't. You're the, the, habits the habits guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah can't you can't just say, habits, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. If you're a friend, you can't just be like, we're going to be friends every Friday at seven o'clock, friendship's happening. There's a yeah. little more yeah. nuance to it. How did you get into habits uh, besides the. The breakdown was there some authors or books that kind of pushed you into the, the understanding of how habits shape you, or uh, did you just come to yes. that on your own? Yes,
1: uh, but it, it, it came out of the crisis. I mean, the short version of that is I started my life as a missionary in China, actually. Okay. So I was a missionary for almost five years, and then I felt the Lord calling me to go to law and business school which is okay. another conversation on calling yeah, that's, that's a, a of, big that's a big shift yeah yeah but um but I felt really called to it um yeah. so I like ran at it with all the fervor of a man on a call yeah. and I did really well in law school but I like any good law school school student adopted all the rhythms of you know a, a top tier law school and high-paced lawyering and right. what happens I ended up in my first year of lawyering um having awful panic attacks and insomnia yeah. and anxiety breakdown which was totally unlike my formal self like hard to describe hmm. how different yeah you're was so to that stark. yeah no yeah. not at all and um and i that's why it really caught my attention and what i what i found and this was like a year and a half struggle was that yeah. My body and mind was becoming converted to this anxiety and busyness that my habits Mm. and routines, I I would say, like, worshiped. So, when the missionary got converted to the nervous medicating lawyer, like that, (laughs) I was like, something's going on. What happened? Yeah. And it really led me on a journey to read both about uh, spiritual disciplines, um, about habit formation, and why, like, whether it's overtly spiritual, like praying or meditating. Or yeah. covertly spiritual like swiping your phone all day both yeah. of these both of these can become routines that sink down into your basal ganglia and make yeah. you feel a certain way even though you're not thinking that way and so this yeah. is where you get this idea that like your head can go this way and your heart can go that or your, your habits can go this way and yeah it can go that way and your heart's gonna follow your habits yeah so that's that's where um, I started reading both spiritual and non-spiritual writers on this and realizing yeah. this was a huge part of my life and my mental health crisis. Yeah. Um, and and I've been like really interested in it ever since. Yeah. Have you gotten into like Dallas Willard and
0: those kinds of mm-hmm. what yeah. else who uh, I would say James, t-
1: Yeah. Ja- did, I think you're probably about James to James James Smith. Smith. Yeah, yeah,
0: you are what you love. Yeah. So those the been...
1: biggest influences for me would probably be on the spiritual side uh, Ruth Haley Barton writes on the rule of life and spiritual discipline okay. Dallas Willard is a bit of the I think the contemporary master of this stuff Right James K a. Smith is really good on explaining why things that you don't think are spiritual yeah. liturgies like swiping your phone yeah. or your busy schedule are actually as spiritual as going through the prayer book every day um, Yeah Those those were Richard Foster was also really yeah. big for me and then okay. on the other end um, Charles Duhigg's *The Power of Habit*, um, mm-hmm. James Clear's yeah. *Atomic Habits*. There's a there's a couple books in that vein that have really um, sort of like they've broken out and explained what is fairly new neuroscience, like probably in the past two decades, what we've learned about how habits and how they work in the brain. And so yeah. it's incredibly useful stuff, right? Because it's things that you would have intuited, like you know, the things that are are most important in life are more caught than taught. Like it's not right. education; it's formation happening. Yeah. Kind of deep down here, we tend to point here. It's actually in the <laughs> the way. but um, I feel and, and it those here, yeah, yeah, those those writers are really good on that, and they helped me a lot.
0: Yeah, I was I was going to ask why you think like habits have just gotten so popular in the last five ten years? Is it you think it's linked to the the new discoveries in neuroscience and yeah ha- yeah?
1: I think two things. I do think there is new information that yeah. is, that is now explaining why we feel the way we feel, and whenever you can right. get that biological or physiological understanding of why you feel that yeah. way it is it, people have an aha moment so right. i think that's really helpful i also think we have been the laboratory of other people's experiments on habits in the past right. now 14 years since the iphone came out yeah yeah so we i think are now particularly rightfully attuned to wait how how are other people understanding how my habits work and actually manipulating right. me, even if they don't mean to, even if yeah. it's not nefarious? They are like, quick example, a, a famous book on this about eight years ago was called Hooked, by okay. uh, Near I, I, I E R Y A L. I think you can look <laughs> it up. Yeah and it's it, it's called. it's the subtitle is about ha- how to make habit forming products in the t- in the tech world basically. Yeah. And that's terrifying. A, <laughs> it, it was a really good book. Um yeah. And it explained sort of like how basically how to get customers, like how, mm-hmm. why people you know form habits online. His next book a couple of years later was called uh, indistractable, and about the problem of distractions, clickings, and it was actually from the user side of saying, hold on, like, Wait, yeah, this is we a need difference. help with yeah. this, yeah, and it was his, so he wrote both of those, and it's an yeah. interesting, and, and that's, the, that's the water we're all swimming on in, so right. I think it's a really important time, whether you're a dad and parenting, or whether you're just a normal person with a phone, um, or somewhere in between, you yeah. need to be attentive to how habit is working in your life, because it's making up almost half of your actions every day, yeah, I mean, that, And that's like just neuroscience stat, like about 40% of our actions every day are not the products just habit. of conscious choices, they're the products of habit. It's true, I think
0: like a lot of people have just like hit a wall where they're like, I'm trying to change so hard and I can't change, and what is it? And these little habits, and I've heard about like habit stacking, so you get one and then you kind of build off that one, and it just seems to to work. Like I was, I struggled so hard with like waking up early. I was like, I need to wake up early, it's mm-hmm. good for me got mm-hmm. three kids, uh, and they're up at seven. I need to be up before that. And I just couldn't do it until I like, I hooked it on to working out cause I got a dopamine hit from working out yes. <laughs> that I needed. And so waking up gave me some reason to get up and it, it kind of snowballed from there and it's been great, but it's, uh, yeah. it's hard to just will yourself to do anything. Yeah.
1: Um, no, we're actually really bad at that, which is why this is a helpful <laughs> insight. I mean, I relied a lot of my life on, Oh if I really want to do it then then I'll do it because like you know I choose <laughs> what I want to choose and I don't know why it took me until 30 to realize that was <laughs> not the way human beings work you know like, Yeah um the, you know m- much ancient wisdom would say like actually don't trust your heart it's pretty deceitful right. um, and classic understanding <laughs> of somewhere. human being would be yeah. like you know we don't we do what we don't want to do and we don't want right. to do what the things we don't want to do we do um yeah. So, like, from Stoics to like the you know biblical writers, right? A, a mature thinking about yourself is realizing that you, you don't make good decisions in the moment. So you need to set up <laughs> yeah. either accountability for yourself, yeah, um, in like structures of relationships, right. um, And or you need and you need really both habit mechanisms to help nudge you in the right direction when you realize i don't feel like waking up this morning but like yeah the routine is set and so you right that's just what you do unless something knocks you out of it and that's where the good life right is. Yeah. yeah and you talk
0: about that i think even the cover of your first book is a trellis with a vine on it right and so that's exactly right yeah yeah so you're building structure for like organic growth and yeah, i love that, that the, analogy uh, yeah is that the cover. The,
1: show the picture here that's there the, it is um, yeah. This, this one is called the the common rule because mm-hmm. an ancient paradigm for this kind of thinking is called the rule of life um, right. which is where monks would live according to certain practices not just prayer rhythms but actually like eating and working rhythms yeah. because their idea was if we're going to be formed into a certain kind of person yeah. we need a rule of life or a rhythm of habits that function communally and it's actually brilliant yeah. because that's how people really start to change when you have multiple people doing the same things yeah Uh, you know this in sport teams and you know this in cults and you know this in families like for better (laughs) for worse or in the middle yeah people do things in sync they become memories traditions and um, and the classic understanding of the rule of life actually the latin root of the word rule in that is not like a law you have to obey but a bar or a trellis and so the idea in that book is four daily habits and four weekly habits to set up a trellis for modern-day life of how to use your phone how to rest how to um, yeah curate what you're watching online how to meditate some of those things
0: yeah I love that and it sets up so much creativity like the monks get a bad rap for being prudes or whatever but they have, yeah, they invented true. so much. they like they brewed great mm. beer and they like the one of the monks figured out the bee spacing, I, I do some beekeeping and like, the ideal space for the hives to be set was like all these ideas. Yeah, like, because there's an ideal, like, if it's too big, they'll like build too much comb. And if there's not enough, they just won't hang out there. So he like, <sighs> it's like, I don't know if it's like seven millimeters or something, but he got it down. And it's these monks who have all this mind space for creativity and observation. And um, yes, we just—I I just feel it so much. Like I'm too distracted, <laughs> and like to actually have deep thinking, deep work. So yeah, um, well, those I, habits I are like, so important. Yeah,
1: I love that direction too because the the monks, monasteries can get a bad rap for this sort of idea of they're just like living insularly, like about their own spirituality. But that's actually not historically true at all. Like what you just said. Um, monasteries have saved Western civilization times, like over, like multiple times. Yeah. Uh, they've invented hospital systems, education systems. Apparently, beekeeping. I didn't know that. Great <laughs> cheeses, great beer. Some of the yeah. best cocktail ingredients that we have. Caring for the poor, like. And and the, and, the, and the reason I say this, Isaac, is because I don't enjoy the sort of habit talk for self-optimization or being hmm. the sort of like inner Superman or like just yeah. being able to life hack your way to success and happiness. I don't think that's what any of this is about. Actually, hmm. I think, like the monasteries, that our life is supposed to be turned outward for the love of other things. Uh, yeah, love of God and neighbor is what you know, what Jesus would have described life as being about. And yeah. I like the life of habit as a way to get my gaze out of my internal life and into the world so whether it's like yeah. a habit of turning my phone off for an hour every evening so i'm actually present with my kids instead yeah. of just navel gazing on my phone or yeah. something else like meditating so that i have headspace. to me it's not about self-optimization it's it's about loving the people around me being present to the world doing good work yeah and that's where the monasteries actually become really important is the paradigm for that
0: yeah, and I think who was it? Uh, was it the Protestants or someone was saying that, or the reformers that the n- new monastery is the family or the household? And so, like, I don't know who co- that's a might be a butchering of the quote, but I feel like I've read that somewhere. <laughs> I might yeah. have been in your book, but the family household is where this plays out now because not no, mm-hmm. most people aren't choosing the monk lifestyle anymore. But we can set up the same sort of hub that is attractive and healthy and allows for hospitality and creativity and for impact on the world.
1: I I think people from the Catholic tradition to, um, reformed and Anglican traditions, actually, they all float this idea. I think it originated in Catholicism, but the the household is the school of love, basically saying that, um, the most important spiritual things you're going to learn in life aren't actually at, at church. They're in the school of the family because it yeah. functions as a monastery, and because you sink habits, you teach yeah. things that you didn't intend to teach, just because you're living <laughs> in formative rhythms. And the whole yeah. point of the habits of the household is to say, if so much significant work is happening there under the radar, we might want to open the hood and look at the radar. You know? <laughs> what um, is guiding us? Yeah. Like what is happening there? And that, and yeah. that was born on my own crisis of realizing, like I was a guy who was writing a book about technology and work rhythms, but yeah. yelling at my kids on the regular every evening. And I was like, okay,
0: I'm feeling uncomfortable irony here.
1: <laughs> like my life of habit in the family was not a school of love. It was a school of frustration. Yeah. Um, so, and so how would,
0: yeah. how, yeah, how would you say, like as a dad, what's the role of the father in like establishing that rule in the household? and? there's so many different ways to fall off the horse as a father of like, either being a dictator or being too permissive. Yeah. Like, how does a dad start that journey in to like establishing a rule in their, yeah, their household?
1: I think the, the big thing, and maybe this can be that moment for some people is just waking up to it first. My, my wake up moment was one evening in my house where, I had just written the book I was talking about and I was putting my boys to bed, like managing them from the bathtub to pajamas (laughs) to the bed. And I I had three boys at the time. My wife was pregnant with our fourth. I have four now. Yeah. And it was just classic, you know, little boy, little kid stuff of like bath water all over the floor and people were running away from the bath naked. And I was wrestling (laughs) them into pajamas and starting to make bodily threats if they don't do the things right. Yeah. And, And I popped off and like just started yelling them to bed and then like said a quick prayer for them about how God loves them. And I do too. (laughs) And when I shut the door, the irony that everybody feels when I tell that story, I sort of felt for the first time. I was like, yeah, wait,
0: I know. Both (laughs) of these
1: things are super normal that I yell them and threaten them into bedtime and that I tell them that I love them and God does too. And the gap between what I say and what I do standing in the hallway that evening was just so painfully apparent. And that's where this whole thing began for me. So I think the first thing that a dad should do is to be brutally honest with yourself. Like, what is it like, if you're really brave, and you know, ask your wife? Um, Yeah, (laughs) I don't know that you'll get a good answer for your kids. But you can ask your you can play this episode for your wife and say, Yeah, what does it feel like? to live with me um (laughs) and brace yourself right but yeah yeah, make a cup of tea and get ready to hang out yeah (laughs) the good news about this is um that answer is always going to hurt but that's great like if you're smart you know that everything good in life hurts like if you're going to get stronger you need to break down your muscles you know if, if if you're gonna persevere in anything you're gonna have to persevere through that awkward moment and and from there i think it's Saying, what, what is the normal for me? And so for me, and probably a lot of people listening, it was the, the, the angry sort of like, prone to yell, prone to snap, um, yeah. Just that sort of like cloud of anger over the house. Right. And I realized my like resting presence with my children was not one of gentleness; it was one of sort of like brooding, you know. And (laughs) yours might be passivity, like your, sure. your, um, your presence is more like a, this is annoying, so I'm going to withdraw yeah, and not, and not address anything and sort of not be present. And there's probably lots of gradations between those two things. Sure. Figuring out what your normal reactions are and then saying, okay, what are the, what are the habits that I could start to put in place to bring me towards being a gentle, loving presence with my kids? Because yeah. whatever your ideology is, um, figuring out how to be a dad who is there, present, yeah. and not angry when they are there is basically 90% of the, the battle. <laughs> like it's, The yeah. mental health outcomes for your kids, the physical outcomes for your kids, the spiritual outcomes for your kids, everything changes when you are there and gentle. It um, yes. doesn't mean not authoritative. That doesn't mean that strong. That just yeah. means not blowing up on them all the time Um, so figure yeah that's those are my two two steps you know yeah have
0: you do you have i mean i feel like i was joking with my wife the other day i was like most parenting books if you just break them down to their most essential core is like just breathe (laughs) it's like you're gonna want to take a lot of deep breaths you're gonna want to go on walks and just breathe (laughs) like that's most parenting is like take some deep deep breaths (laughs) uh and i was just gonna ask if you have any like what are some of your favorites? I know you read about a bunch of them, but what are your favorite go-tos for maintaining, uh, keeping your blood pressure down?
1: (laughs) So I like this question. Um, I divide up the habits and habits of the household into three categories. One are habits that help you become the kind of person you should be. One that help your children become the kind of people that they should be. And then yeah. one that's sort of meta, like the family. So it's like yeah. inner formation, children formation, and family formation. I'll just give you one example from each. Yeah. So for me, I have it called scripture before phone, or you yeah. can call it meditation before phone, reading before phone. When I talk to lawyers, I just talk yeah. about read something before you. Um, yeah. that, that rhythm in the morning that means I don't need jerk reaction, start my morning on my phone, and all the anxieties and and other problems that could be there but i start in a mode of contemplation and quiet is a phenomenally important rhythm for me and my mental space it changes how i approach work my kids everything Um, for my kids one of the crucial rhythms for us has been um in their formation are rhythms of reconciliation because yeah you know like i can be as nice as i try to be but kids fight all the time yeah <laughs> newsflash like kids fight each other all the time they fight with you all the time so yeah. i you know i try to remind people like it's this is not going to help you create a clean and quiet house but yeah because kids fight and kids make messes um right so do adults incidentally <laughs> but, but one of the most important rhythms for us is working on after these moments of discipline or after these fights do i help them repair relationship with each other yeah. And repair relationship with me. And those are small habits like long hugs after fights or taking a walk <laughs> after a fight. Um, we have a yeah. thing called the brother's hug, where if they fight, they have to hug each other and sort of like <laughs> make amends. They actually yeah. have to hold on until they start laughing. I um, like it. Or, you know, so those are really important with the kids. And then I just say last yeah. one, the, the family level formation. Um, one of our keystone habits uh, is nothing surprising. But it does change everything. It's called family yeah. dinner. And oh, we try to go. have yeah. family dinner, you know, probably three to four nights a week. That, that leaves yeah. a lot plenty of room for exceptions. But just the norm yeah. of life is that we're all four boys, me and my wife are going to sit down at the table and um, eat and talk. Yeah. And so much is taught at the table of like how to relate, how to say please and thank you, how to. Be generous, how to help each other clean up and how to stay seated in your chair and pay attention to somebody, which is a huge (laughs) challenge for most of them still.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I love that. What do you do? I was doing this just this morning because I have a seven and a five-year-old and my daughter got two pieces of chocolate in the morning and my son only got one and she was bragging about how she got two and he was very salty about uh, her bragging, not even that she got two and I tried to like do reconciliation. I was like, all right, so Jovi, you confess, you're bragging Leo, you would forgive her. And he was just like, no, <laughs> I was like, please <laughs> <laughs> forgive. Like, I was like, can you do like a gentle hug or some sort of touch, yeah. a handshake, a high five? What do you do with like uh, if you hit a stone wall, like with a kid, do you just give them space and come back to it later or?
1: That's a great question. Um... And I think here is a good place to insert the art in the habit. Yeah, um, yeah. Like we mentioned earlier, you know, not everything is solvable by a habit. So I think it when it's a habit to reconcile, that means that like the children will expect this is what's supposed to be done, right? Yeah. And that's useful. But you know, you get all kinds of moments where they're like, "I don't want to do that right now." And <laughs> I I, it, I think about two things. Like one, for us. I realize they're not going to be incredibly sincere, kind of like us, yeah. when, we, when they say "I'm sorry" and "I forgive you." But for us, it's still an important uh, liturgy because it's an important way to just continually train the the body and your voice that that you, yeah, like you practice saying sorry, even when you don't mean it. Um, you can still yeah. practice it and let words lead your heart. And so for that yeah i am pretty firm with the, the boys that if i say hey it's time to say sorry and they're like well i don't want to i don't feel sorry that becomes sort of like a seat belt in the car moment it's like well you don't really have an option here like you're you, yeah we're gonna stay right here until you do this okay yeah um yeah. that works well with with my kids now you, anybody listening might have a kid who's like, ooh. If I did that with them, they might like just start to spiral or so yeah. you might need to figure out, okay, we're going to have space and you're going to go to like a, a non-trouble ground. timeout. You just like go to <laughs> yeah. the neutral ground, come back and we could say sorry. But like what I wouldn't advise is letting them dictate the terms of whether or not they'll do that. Mm. So yeah. you could give them more process for it. But I do think it's really important to say this is what we do in this family. Um, yeah. And when you leave the house you can change your mind if you want and decide <laughs> that you'll never say sorry to anybody but in this family we say yeah. sorry even when we don't mean it because we need to like again pull our hearts out of bad places. So yeah, we yeah, work you're on like saying sorry until we do feel like it.
0: <laughs> right. I was just thinking like if someone came to me and told me to say sorry when I like out of nowhere, I it would be hard for me. And so just always as parenting it's like I have to remember that I also like need this and if I was them it'd be hard for me too. So um just it's, to bring grace to your own children, it's so yeah. hard. Like say so, sorry. I
1: think, <laughs> I think a lot about I always say this to my wife, about coming at my kids sideways. Hmm. And I'll admit I don't exactly know what I mean by that, but I think I kinda <laughs> mean like it's one thing to stand in front of them and being like say sorry right now. You know, that yeah. may or may not get the right result. But to but to sort of like nudge alongside them, maybe move towards a joke, excite them with whatever we're going to afterwards and be like, hey, by the way, we do need to, you know, say sorry before we yeah. move on to this next thing, remember. Hmm. And just like a lot of that emotional sort of the parent being the the thermostat, not the thermometer. Like you're not just reflecting yeah. their bad temperature, but you're sort of setting the mood of where you need to go. Yeah. And you know, Lots of that is way more effective than just saying, "You must do this right now." Though I'm very fine with saying, "You you must do this right now," because they are little, and I do need to have them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's true. You're their dad. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. And I found too
0: that if I'm like, yeah, I have a hard time when people steal chocolate. Also, (laughs) like you're rightfully angry. Like that's a good. I mean, he's strong sense of justice, you know, and so that's a good quality. Yeah.
1: That's a great point. I think one of the things that I harp on over and over in the habits of the household, because I need it so bad, is yeah. to remember that I'm more like my kids than than not. Yeah. Um, like when they are aggrieved because somebody stole the switch controller out of their hands, I'm like, what would I feel like if my colleague at work just snatched my iPhone <laughs> out of my hands? I'd be yeah. like, come on, dude. No, like. <laughs> I'm pissed. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Um, <laughs> and sort of remembering, okay. I know that I need to teach them how to share, but I also know that I need to approach them with gentleness and patience. Because man, I really feel like that too. And when yeah. people confront us we expect them and hope that they do so with a, a bit of grace as well as truth. Right? Yeah. And so for you to remember, Hey, you're actually kind of a, a lot like that. As it turns out, you hurt people too when you don't feel loved. Yeah. like you lash out when you don't feel paid, like anybody's paying attention. Yeah. Then you're more like, okay, let me come alongside them instead yeah. of beat down on them.
0: Yeah. I was, well, I heard someone say, it might've been an Instagram thing. It was like, treat your kids the way you would treat a friend. And I was like, all right, well, if a friend – if I made my friend dinner and they threw it on the floor, I would just <laughs> fight them. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you want? That's not helpful. I would wrestle yeah. them to the ground. And, like, like, I I get the idea, like, speak them with a the tone that's, like, respectful. But, like, if my – yeah, if they punch me in the nuts, I'm like, we're fighting. Like, this is,
1: yeah. <laughs> this is smack smackdown yeah, right now. I, like, I, I honestly <laughs> – I'm trying to think if I could agree with that in any sense. Um, yeah, like they're not my I, friends. I yeah. I hope. I hope my children become my friends. Yeah. Um, I don't talk to them like that now. I I would just say no. Actually, I disagree with. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> with I'm the authority in their life, yeah. in my kids' life, and and they're. Um, they no. They need They need a parent, not a friend. Actually, I think I right. very disagree with that comment. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I like
0: that. Yeah, yeah I was like, can I? I like, I understand the heart is like, don't yell at your kids. That's what they're trying to say. Okay. But what? Yeah. I, but like, say it differently. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Your parent, your kids need a dad, yeah. not another buddy. Um, yeah. Awesome. Let's talk about the friendship book. I love, I don't know if I've ever read a book just about friendship. I know you quoted <laughs> some C.S. Lewis. Uh, he talks about friendship uh, was that a book just about friendship, or
1: was that his like love? Uh, that was in the four like an Loves essay. That yeah. was the essay on friendship, and I'm actually really glad you said that because one of the motivating impulses to work on this book was I could not think of a really good book on spiritual friendship. Yeah, um, C.S. I like. I had to reach back 60 years to an essay that C.S. Lewis wrote. To yeah. say here's a great book addressing this topic, but I um, feel like one friendship has been so important in my life in making yeah. me who I am. And by the way, tying it to the last conversation, if I was not practicing rhythms of friendship as a father, yeah, I would be a lot worse of a father. <laughs> like, yeah, scary, scary worse. And I like, I, I, I mean, I'm. Actually, no, I'll just push down on this for a second. Yeah. I might either be, like, in a mental hospital or have left my family or just incredibly angry all the time. Like, there are a lot of negative outcomes, which, by the way, are normal outcomes. Right. Many people have dads who, if they're there at all, they're furious all the time. Also, maybe just left the family or maybe stuck around but were just, like, wrapped in their own mental illness. So I don't actually think I'm unusual. But i would say that friendships with other guys who help call me forward in things like fathering and also like work and marriage have been pivotal like the make or break difference in which direction my life goes and so i really wanted to write about yeah about that particularly in a world where i have this study actually on my desk this is the surgeon general's report from 2023 called our epidemic of loneliness and isolation This is Jeez. one of the things that is we're doing so bad at that it's a public health crisis on the level of obesity and smoking, so this isn't yeah this isn't soft or squishy like oh I don't want to talk about friendship i'm I'm talking about there's something that we're all missing, yeah uh, and it's killing us literally, yeah so yeah I was I thought, just let's let's talk about that
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean especially for men you don't I don't know if you it's not specifically for men but you're a man and you wrote it, and so it it I'm glad that a man wrote it actually because mm-hmm. i don't think, mm-hmm. i don 't think men would read a book about friendship written by women i don 't know maybe they would, yeah. but
1: maybe we 're wrong, but i don 't think we would
0: <laughs> i agree yeah i 've read i 've started some parenting books written by women that are just like mm-hmm. talk a lot about like i don 't know women stuff, and it 's hard to connect, and so uh, I, there's definitely gleaning and it 's good but uh, i 'm just really glad that you wrote this book because i don 't know. It might've been, I read some book of boys and men, I think, but just, there's this epidemic of deaths of despair is what they were calling them. So like suicide, drinking yourself to death, smoking yourself to death. And it's (laughs) mostly men that are just isolating and killing themselves either on purpose or with lifestyle decisions. And so I'm, I'm, it's a good, it's a must read book. I think for a lot of men because we're left to be like, yeah, just make friends. (laughs) Like, I don't know. You either have them or you don't. It's kind of the assumption. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to make friends. I know once you have kids, either you really isolate or you can make connections over friends, but it can be really tough. Um, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of men in my life, their wives set up their friendships, right? So we're Mm -hmm. friends because our wives are friends. But they don't really yeah. like each other, you know. Yeah, that won't do. <laughs> that won't it do. It doesn't. It doesn't work. I mean, it's nice if both couples can be each other's friends, but yes, Um yes. yeah. So, how would you encourage men to think about friendships specifically? Um, yeah, yeah.
1: I, so, I would encourage. Uh, we'll stick on the theme here. The the to lean into the art and the habit of it. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go from the habit angle first okay maybe because that can be briefer yeah Yeah, we can push into both but sure on the habit side it's common sense that everybody wants friendships i haven't met a single person that's like actually i'm not interested um (laughs) even the most introverted of people are still like they want a couple good friends yeah so it's the problem is it's common sense but it's not common practice because of what you just said isaac i mean we live in what i call in the book a a current of loneliness like american life is set up to make you a busier wealthier person who used to have friends right so you know you might be advancing in your work maybe um and your (laughs) schedule is getting more complicated because of children and marriage um, and family life but no one maybe unlike times of high school or college maybe like, yeah. back then, there are countercurrents that might push you into a dorm or into a summer camp or into a sports team. right. There are no countercurrents now. So you, if you do nothing, you will become a lonely person who used to have friends <laughs> and, and, and arguably a statistic. A statistic, gets really yeah. Bad. Like, and that's reality. So one of the, the habit message of the book is you need to think hard about arranging your life for friendship. And the good news yeah. about this <laughs> is that it it actually... Doesn't take a lot because friendship is disproportionately impactful, hmm. whereas other physically vital things that you need to do, like eat and sleep and work, take up tons of your time every day. Yeah. Um, if you do an hour of friendship every week, even like an hour or so every other week, my my two best friends and I, Steve and Matt, have a routine that every other Tuesday we get together on somebody's porch and just talk. Yeah. Yeah. And that. I can be working like 80 hours a week for the rest of those two weeks <laughs> and be parenting on all my off hours. Yeah. Um but and that hour will change my life completely because right. uh every other week I get together and I'm able to tell them well here's what's going on in my 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 head. Yeah. And so that's the the habit and that bleeds right into the the art or really right. the deeper gravitas here and that is the idea that the art of friendship is you, you need somebody who knows you yeah. really well and yet sticks around and loves or likes you anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> and by by that I mean like it is the the easiest thing for us to do in this current of loneliness is become um, people like who have secrets burning inside of us. And this could right. be, you know, addictions um, and this could be like alcohol addictions prescription med addictions this could be porn addictions this could be hidden text chains or burner accounts or you know cooking yeah. books at work all, all kinds of things like yeah the, kind of like fighting in the family we talked about earlier like it's not yeah. a surprise that your kids fight and it's not a surprise <laughs> that you have problems like me right. you and every guy who's listening to this has uh, problems in their life like the <laughs> major flaws where they're like whoa on my own i will probably implode um yeah like this is dangerous this is a true thing in my life and the most the worst thing you could possibly do is not talk to anybody about that yeah. so when i get together with my friend steve and matt for example everything's on the table from like our internet history to you know how the mental illness struggle with you know so and so is going and we sort of trade them back and forth to like yeah. to like how our relationship with our wives are going to you know whether we're acting with integrity at work and jobs and stuff and it's also mixed in with a lot of um you know hanging out and bullshitting and talking and <laughs> laughing yeah. and jokes yeah. and yeah so but i'm just saying like there's this phenomenal core there of becoming a person without secrets because you're becoming known yeah and when you become known and people stick around anyway that conquers or soothes one of the greatest insecurities and fears in any human being, which is I'm not really worthy of being loved. In fact, if people really knew me, they wouldn't, they wouldn't want me. And when my friends know me thoroughly, flaws and all, and stick around anyway, I feel like I have a superpower. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I literally feel like, Oh, I can go out in the world with this incredible confidence because I am broken. I am messed up, but, but that's okay. So is yeah. so are they, and so is everybody else, and we're working on it together. And yeah. so when I say friendship, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. I'm talking about this like deep relationship that sustains you. And that is something modern society has all but lost, which is why yeah. we are literally dying.
0: What would you say to someone who says, My wife is my friend? I don't need guy friends.
1: I would say <laughs> that is a great thing and not enough <laughs> like i'm <laughs> so glad that good, you actually brilliant. think your wife yeah. is your friend no but like a lot of yeah. people would be like no no she's not my best friend you know yeah and um so i would say like on the one hand good for you like keep working yeah. on your marriage like that is a wonderful place to be known but i would say you if your wife is your best friend then you're failing your best friend hmm. because you need more than her to be a great husband and friend to her Yeah. Um, you there are some struggles that she's not going to understand. Yeah. Um. Be, I mean, like, we can be blunt with this. I mean, <laughs> your wife is not going to be the best one to understand why you want to go sleep with everybody else you see, <laughs> which is just, you know, it might uh, yeah. Sound... I know I'd be dumping that on her. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds it sounds bad, but it's because men are. We do have this bad struggle, and like particularly yeah. with sexual struggles, but this could also be like anger struggles or some mental health stuff. Um, there will be parts of you that she doesn't fully comprehend, even if she's your, your best friend and your, your soulmate, which is great. And, yeah. um, it would behoove you and be gentle to her to process some of this with other guys so that you can then process it with her well and not make her hmm. bear the full burden of, right. of that. Um, I also think like for her sake, you, you should both be saying, in order to be the best husband and wife with each other that we, that we can to each other, we yeah. need to have other great male and yeah. female friends. And, yeah. um, and, and so this is totally true with Lauren and I. Like, when I sent her out on Monday night to go hang out with two of her friends, and I was like, I'll put the kids to bed, I'll finish the dinner cleanup. So she left at yeah. like seven. It wasn't like, Ugh. you know, it was like, this is yeah. so good. She's going to see her friends, and I know she's going to come back a happier woman and yeah. a better wife and she sends me out the same way when it's like hey i'm gonna see matt and steve tonight she's like great you know you need that time yeah (laughs) Um, and that's not always the case but we've worked to develop that idea that oh i'm sending you to something that you need yeah and and like in order to be the best husband and wife you need that um best friends with your spouse is a good start just not enough (laughs) yeah (laughs) i've got a group chat with
0: some guys and we try to get together on friday nights and uh one of the guys was like, "Don't you have a wife and kids? Like, or, how are you out every Friday?" And I'm like, "Well, I, I have a wife and kids. I need to be out every Friday, hanging out because with because I have a wife and kids. Yeah, I need to, yeah, yeah. And it's not just hanging with the guys, right? Um So it's an important rhythm in our lives. But uh how? Well, why I do you th- think? Yeah, no, go for Can it. Can I
1: just push push on one thing there? But hold that yeah. question because this will be short. I think it's. A problem of our modern moment that we can get into a headspace that both parents need to be present for every single hmm. difficult thing, whether that be a, a bedtime or like a morning routine or, or anything else. Like, if you're not giving each other space and saying like, "Hey, honey, go out have a fun Saturday night with the girls," because I got it here yeah, at home, I'm all right. Then yeah, she's like she's gonna be in a bad mental space. So you need to be doing that for her. Yeah, and if she's not doing that for you then we also have a problem because you also need to get away. And I see friends as part of the the you know, it's not like escaping the family. It's like going to recharge your soul so that you can be yeah. a better parent. And that means that you should be enabling each other to leave. So like right. yeah, I got like a wife and four boys and author and lawyer and got plenty of obligations. <laughs> and I, guess what? I've yeah. got time to see friends once a week. And yeah. and anybody who's listening, if you want to know if you have time, I just want you to open up your phone and I want you to go to your phone usage stats, or go Screen to your Instagram time. stats, yeah. but, and it will tell you how much time you have for friendships. You have, oh, at least two and a half hours a, a, a day, as it turns out, that you yeah, would just scroll. That's crazy. Like, and I'm not, I'm not condemning you, I'm just saying, if you're thinking in your head, I'm busy, I'm a dad, I'm married, I don't have time, you're just not thinking right. I mean, you're, right. it's just not true. The, yeah. the problem is like you're choosing to spend your time poorly, and we can firmly yeah. and gently say, don't stay there you know move on <laughs>
0: yeah yeah that's one of the big reasons we switched to sleep training our children we had one and he like slept in our bed for like four years and then when we had the second we're like we can't do this like it we need to be laying in bed with him for an hour and a half every night like that's we don't want to live like that and so <laughs> bedtime needed to change and now we have three and a fourth one coming. So it's like, you guys have got to just go to bed. Like it's not an option anymore. So, um, <laughs> okay, I'm,
1: I am pro that
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like, we need mom and dad need evenings alone, not with you in our bed. So yes, yes. for a lot of reasons, we can't explain to you right now, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask why you thought, uh, why you think dads have a specifically hard time or men in general with friendship, uh,
1: Yes. Um I'll give you the stereotype answer and then I think it also gets mixed up. But okay. so stereotypically and stereotypes exist for a reason cuz they're generally true. Right. Uh, women have been better at being vulnerable with each other. Um, yeah. and if you remember like what I you know define a r- r- real friendship is, is somebody who really knows you fully and sticks around anyway. Yeah. And I think the struggle of women will be more often than not, not that they can't share their internal life, but, but they're so compromised by the demands of motherhood in this phase of life or something else yeah. that they're just not making the time or the habit for it. So you might need to help enable your wife to have the habit. Yeah, um, But I think for men, you often see this, uh, just struggle to turn their insides out, to actually disclose <laughs> what's happening. To, and, yeah. and if I had, you know, like if I was running the world, (laughs) I would sort of be like, Hey, look, um, I can start a campfire in under two minutes. I can deadlift over 400 pounds. I can like, I, I, I like talk, I can talk whiskey with you, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, probably the most masculine thing that I do is be honest with my friends. Hmm. And I would like to recharacterize that idea of being open and vulnerable. Yeah. as something that is incredibly dad like, incredibly masculine, incredibly wise. Yeah. Because you lead your kids and your family into a place that's called truth, integrity, and living without secrets. Yeah. And I think like one of the most fake masculine things is to pretend that you're strong when you're actually burning up inside. <laughs> um we call these people liars, you know, and they tend to <laughs> they tend to implode. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so the, the normal idea is that for whatever reason, it, it's, it's hard for us. Now, I yeah. also want to reverse the ter- stereotypes for a second. Yeah. At least in my immediate community, I see a, most men doing this if yeah. they're encouraged to. Hmm. Ins- I, I see most men actually saying, I do, I do want to be known. So yeah. I don't know that the stereotype always holds, but it doesn't, it's not the most important part of the conversation. The stats show us that men increasingly get bad at this. And, and as we go along in our life, we tend to get more lonely and, and then dangerously lonely, right? Yeah. And so if that's you, you know, listening, you really, you should, whether it's just, oh, I need to be in the habit of it, yeah. or I need to actually also practice like having the courage to tell somebody the truth. Yeah. I would say one or both of those is, is needed for the sake of your kids, for the sake of your family. Um, yeah but but men do have a hard time with it and it's important to acknowledge yeah would you say for someone who's like
0: man i'm dangerously lonely their first step should be like identify the closest friends you have and then pick a couple to start pursuing or how would you kind of
1: dig yourself Mm. out of a hole that you've created of loneliness oh that's a good question um that's a really important question because I, I do want to signal hope. Like, you can start this wherever you are. You don't need lifelong friends. Um, yeah. I would say if you have somebody that you know, oh, I, I've been open with that person, or they would hear me out, or like, this is a possible relationship, even if it's a risk, but this is yeah. a possibility. I would encourage you to, like, right now on your phone, send them a text and say, hey, can we grab a drink? Can we grab a coffee? Yeah. I'd like to talk about um I got something I want to talk to you about. Yeah, and and then be 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 honest when when you get there, like yeah, that idea of sparking vulnerability is so crazy because you most people out there are, it's like a high school dance, like most people are waiting <laughs> to be talked to, you know? Yeah, yeah. and and when you say I got to tell you about this thing that I'm really wrestling with in my life, like I've been having depressive episodes or something, most people yeah. will say I'm so honored you felt you could share that with me. Yeah. Actually, can I share something with you? Yeah, me I've too. I've been having yeah. panic attacks. Like, <laughs> yeah. And and it's so freeing to be like to break that ice. Um, yeah. That, now that won't happen with everybody and you might have a dud, but like so, <laughs> but don't just I just want to encourage people to break that barrier yeah. of telling the truth. Everybody I have ever heard come to me with something like that, I have regarded as brave, not cowardly. Yeah. I yeah. have been like not because we think Oh my gosh! I'm about to share my shame. What the person on the other side of the table hears is someone being incredibly courageous and saying something that needed to be said. So, so I would say, get the get the text that person. Get the courage to say it. Now, if you really don't have anybody in your life that you can even imagine talking to like that, Hmm. um, that is a serious issue. Okay. And I would say to that person. serious issue but calm down like you can work you can work your way out of this like most yeah. people i know who, who are like this are because here's how they're living they're in their grind or their like comfort zone of like i work i go to this place i do this i don't have time for anything else yeah um and to that person i want to like kind of gently but firmly be like that's a dangerous life and that's not the right life there's one rhythm in your week that you could add that puts you in the face of people it could be like yeah. a, a recurring happy hour it could be going to church it could be yeah. if you already go to church going to that small group it could be literally joining the the rugby club that you go to yeah like, it could be a running club it could be like i go to a i go to a crossfit gym at, at noon most days yeah and the kinds of people people there like it just you go for one week and everybody's like, come be our friend. <laughs> and like lots, lots of gyms are like that. Like you can go to a yeah. gym, but, but here's the thing, Isaac, like you got to do something like that. And then you have to practice the turn where you turn from common activity to common person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so like if it's a running club, like get coffee after the run because you, yeah. you, don't, you need to not just be around people. You need to start be talking to people and this will take, yeah this could take weeks, months, um, or longer, Yeah. but I just, I'll, I'll end with this. Life is really like more like a high school dance than not. You're going to find <laughs> a lot of people in that running club also yeah. wanted to talk. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, once you break that ice suddenly it's, I don't know, it's like quitting smoking or something like the way that your life will change, you know, yeah. um, is something I crazy. Love it.
0: Yeah. yeah. I started CrossFit in October and it's, it's been, that's been a Cornerstone habit for me in the community is that there. Right? Yeah. 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 I was going to, I want to talk about your 400 deadlift,
1: but uh, <laughs> we're yeah. out of time. <laughs> my other my uh, other numbers aren't going to be as impressive. I don't know, but <laughs> ha- happy to talk about it. <laughs> Leg day is where it's at. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I feel like there could be a whole nother habit of like exercise and uh, working out and all that. And I don't know if you wrote about that in your first book, but. I think that's definitely a needed topic
1: too. For I would, people often ask me if you could go back and change anything in your first book. What would you, what habit would you add? And it would be exercise. Because I found Hmm. um, one of the keystone habits for, I want to say my mental health, but it's not exactly like it just solved the anxiety crisis I was in. It's more like it's a preventative mechanism to keep me alert at work, happy in my body and the feeling of discipline that then just bleeds into my father life. So when I'm like, you know, doing a workout and I'm like, I do not want to pick up that barbell again, but I look up (laughs) at the clock and there's two minutes left and the coach is doing it around you. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody else is doing it around me and the coach is like, pick up the barbell. There's something in me that's like, okay, I thought I was done, but I'm, I'm not. Yeah. I have to do it again and I will do it again. And you realize after that two minutes, you're like, Oh, I had I 10 more reps in me. You know, I yeah. had 20 more reps in me. And then Isaac, like, I get home with my kids and they drop their milk or something. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I can do that. I want to pick that up. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, the wall is not the wall. I have more yeah. patience in me than I thought. I have more strength in me than I yeah. thought. I have more love in me than I thought. And I think there's a way to exercise that, that feeds the rest of life. Yeah. Um, and i actually think that's an incredibly important keystone habit for guys in our stage of life.
0: Yeah, for sure. I found it just like 360 degree. Like i'm happier, more energy, better with my kids, stronger, faster. <laughs> you know, i'm waking up earlier. You know, it's been um, great.
1: There's a study that i think this is mostly about teens and phones, but i'll just yeah. say it. Obviously, like we're finding incredibly depressive effects for teenagers and smartphones, particularly yeah. for girls. Like the, the suicidal tendencies are exponentially skyrocketing. But interestingly, yeah. when it's two hours or less a day, um, at least in these studies, there was no statistical differences. So when you're actually like hmm. keeping it within that's still a lot of time, honestly, to be yeah. on your phone. But when you're keeping it within those limits, you're a lot safer. Then hmm. people who were doing, um, Going outside, yeah, having embodied contact with other human beings, uh, yeah. which is now kind of revolutionary, like actually being face-to-face in a It's funny hangout. there's a word
0: for it. Yeah, embodied yeah. contact. And, yeah. and,
1: and exercising yeah. had disproportionately like hmm. lower mental health problems. So yeah. the idea that like you would go on a morning run with friends outside or that you would go to the gym and like work out with them, these things are actually... Radically good for not just your physical health, but your yeah. your mental health. And statistically, it, it's it's showing that like if you can trade that routine that if, of like going to a gym and working out with friends in the morning for yeah. this routine of swiping your phone in the morning, <laughs> yeah, you are actually making an incredible shift in your life. Yeah. So don't discount that. Like it is actually right. very spiritual. It's very hmm. important. It's much more than just getting your body in shape. It's getting your soul in shape.
0: Right. I don't know if I've been thinking about this. Like, I don't know if there's a difference between mental and physical health. Like, I, at least for me, it's so intertwined. Like, I don't know how to parse those parts of my my body out. Like, I am, my mind is in my body and my body feeds. Like, it's all connected for me. And I'm like, I don't know how I would just work on mental health without working on physical health at the same time. Well,
1: yeah, I'll drop a little note for next time. We we should talk again because my uh, publisher and I are working on finalizing a a next project called the body teaches the soul which is basically okay. about what you just said That's about it. like let's that. do it yeah. I, I think our body is more spiritual than we think and our soul is more physical than we think and i they're, love they're it ways of thinking about these sides of the coin of the yeah. human um, being are more helpful to intertwine than to separate yeah i love that well, I yeah. think I mean I'm I don't have anywhere to
0: run right now, but we've used up our hour. Um, <laughs> I wanted to I wanted People to ask only you only listen for so long. I guess <laughs> they're gonna get. I could go all day. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask if you're reading anything currently. Uh, what's in your What's on your nightstand right now?
1: I like um, to end with this one. My favorite thing on my nightstand right now is actually a book of poetry called Bower Lodge by hmm. a guy named Paul Pastor okay um and i i happen to like reading poems in part because they're so short that you can actually manage it in like a day of working kids yeah but particularly this this um book of poetry bower lodge um uh, it's 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 a meditation kind of on 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 dying and death and decomposing and hmm. nature and life yeah. and why that's the the beginning of rebirth and life, um, whether you're talking about a mushroom or, like, the human soul. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and so there's just... It was just... It's deep waters. And uh, Paul Pastor yeah. is a great writer. Paul I actually know him as well. And, and this book of poetry was fantastic.
0: I'll write it down. Paul Pastor. It's called
1: Bower Lodge. Yeah. Uh,
0: I was wondering if you are reading any Wendell Berry, because I know you dropped a Wendell Berry uh, reference in your... <laughs>
1: my wife. It's on my wife's... Uh, she... I've only read um, two of his maybe okay. three of his books. My wife yeah. has read all of his books. So I, I get the da- the download from her. Yeah. And totally. then I like, you know, read along. Yeah, some yeah. side. Yeah. You said you bought 30 acres out in the
0: woods. I was like, yeah, that's definitely a Wendelberry inspired. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an impulse. Yeah. I, I love that. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for hopping on. I'm sure we'll talk again. Uh, I feel like I could just keep going, but uh, I love the book and we'll put all the links and everything for it in the show notes and wherever comment. I don't know where he put them on YouTube in the description. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thanks for writing it. Really appreciate your work and your thoughtfulness and all the time and energy you've put into it. It's really, really helpful. So um, I yeah, hope thanks. All man. the guys. Be- I hope all the guys go and get it. So <laughs>
1: I've enjoyed this conversation a lot. Um Cool. So, t- yeah, tell anybody they can reach out to me. I'm, I'm mostly, uh, I'm the most present on Instagram if people want to reach yeah. out and, like, leave a comment or send a message.
0: Cool. Yeah, and you do, like, little short videos, too, which are super helpful. If people just can't get a, read a book, then they can get some summary versions yeah, on right. Instagram from you. Yeah,
1: and you can get the audio book of uh, Made for People or Habits of the Household. I read them, so yeah. I'd be glad to say to anybody, I will read that to you. <laughs> you know, while you're working out, while you're running I'll, I'll, while you're at the dishes, I will read the book to you. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like five and a half hours
0: so it's just uh it's doable a, a day of manual labor in the yard or something there so. you go. I love it. Cool. well, thanks for chatting I'm uh, looking forward to our next
1: one. That sounds great, man. All right, see you.